God's message of judgment to the people of Israel. So we must never undervalue ourselves or others. And um, finally, it says in verses, it talks in verses 13 to 16 about his training as a prophet. And the, the main reason for their destruction was their chronic idolatry, but also their neglect towards the less fortunate. In other words, the poor, the needy, the orphans, and the widows, and etc. So in our daily lives, what might seem like social care, just social work to other people, we must never neglect those who are um, less fortunate than us. Amen. Um, praise God. Um, I was reflecting on um, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, and I thought I'd just share um, some of the things I wrote on. So Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 to 5 says, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Um, this particular scripture made me reflect on the, on the myth and the concepts um, that talks about the great man theory. They, um, you can Google it and, and just read up about the Great Man Theory. But it basically argues about whether leaders are born or made. And this made me just draw a particular conclusion that um, if Christ is set as a part and as, point, and as appointed as prophet to the nation, that means we have the ability to manifest God in all areas. But it's down to us, um, our own, um, ourselves as humans, um, to ensure that actually we actually manifest God individually in the specific areas he has called us into. And First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 talks about being a royal priesthood and a chosen generation. Um, and I drew a conclusion that effective leadership is, as a result, is as a result of godly motivation and having the right personality as well. So therefore, because God has called us and predestined us, we have the ability to manifest God both in the spiritual and the physical and thereby we have to take a practical approach in the world at large. Another consideration to me for this particular um, verse is that God ordained Jeremiah before birth, but there are many leaders and individuals God had ordained like Jeremiah who their positions have been taken due to a desire to derail from God's um, destined um, place for them and also from lack of attention to the calling of God upon their lives. And I took uh, Ecclesiastes 10 verse 5 to 7 on this. And two key things I drew from this was that we all have a special assignment of our lives, but it's down to individuals to fulfill God's mandate for their lives. But also, commitment to God and consistency in God brings manifestations of God's promises. And then the last bit I will touch on is Jeremiah 11, verse 1 to 2, of which um, Brother Eric spoke about, where he talks about, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he says, I see a brand of almond tree. For me, this re reflects both God's blessing and disaster as well. And it just made me feel, what did I see? And I said, I see spiritual advancements. I see the new glory. I see uncommon favor. I see helpers of destiny. I see blessings. I see promotions. I see increase. I see enlargement of territory. I see abundance. I see fruitfulness. I see barrenness being taken away. I see sickness and disease being wiped away completely. I see peace. I see joy. And I begin to see encounter and angelic visitation in Jesus' name. And this is why I prefer everyone in Jesus' name. Praise God. I just wanted to look at the background of, um, the, uh, of uh, Prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was actually trained as a priest, and he comes from a place called Anatot. Now, Anatot is um, a city in Benjamin, which is very close to Jerusalem. And King Solomon had um, banished 
one of his ancestors to, to the place. So he had um, a little bit of a bad upbringing from the start. So that was something that was there for him to actually have to deal with. Now, at the time, King Solomon, obviously being a king, um, had that aura that when he actually, what he says about you, you probably, pretty much God is saying that about you. But albeit, um, Hilkiah, his father, even though he comes from a family that was banished into Anatot there, um, as part of the Levites that were banished, in, uh, one of the Levites that was banished into Anatot, he still held on to his um, his love of God, his devotion to God, um, and um, you know how to bring up his child in the way and knowledge of God. So Jeremiah, even though he had this baggage on him, the king had banished him from Jerusalem because of complications with what Adonijah, when Adonijah wanted to take the crown, um, um, wanted to take the crown from Solomon. Um, that was how, and what actually saved his family was the fact that his father uh, was one of the uh, one of the priests who had the ark uh, while David was moving it back to Jerusalem. So uh, that stood in his stead, and that's the only reason why his uh, that his father um, was able to be left, uh, kept alive. And all that could be read from First um, Kings two twenty six and twenty seven. Well, you can start from about twenty one or so. Um, but what I wanted to say there is the fact that. Because human beings say one thing or the other, or people we've given control over, the people we've given control of our lives, they say something about us. That should not mean the end of us. One way or the other, we should still hold on to God. We should know that he is the author and finisher of our faith because Hilkiah went on to train his son in the way and uh, in, in um, the line of being a priest. And obviously, Jer- Jeremiah had that knowledge of God and knowledge of the fear of God. So when he eventually had to go into the prophetic as, uh, as opposed to his first uh, career, which was going to be a pre- uh, the priesthood, he was still right in line to do a good job for God. Praise the name of the living Jesus. And I praise the Lord. I'll comment uh, mainly on chapter 1 of Jeremiah um, from verses 6 through to 10, uh, verse 7 actually. Um, in verse 7, Jeremiah was trying to dodge the responsibility of going out to preach the word of God to the Israelites as God has commanded him. We can link that to the great commission which Jesus has given to us. Jesus has sort of asked us to go out and preach the gospel to everyone. The word of God said that God's word, the knowledge of, you know, will be, the, knowledge, the gospel will be as a, the knowledge of God will cover the earth as the water covers the sea. So how do we bring that about? It is you and I heeding to the Great Commission to go out and preach the gospel. And that I'll touch briefly on, of course, God has empowered us. He has poured out the Holy Spirit upon us. So we should not say, oh, we are not bold. Oh, I don't know the people. I'm afraid. That should not be um, part of us. Verse 10 mentioned specifically, says, see today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. We intercessors, we understand the principles behind this. As intercessors in any country, like in this nation, that we are really going through a lot of challenges and all that, our role is to pray for the mind of God, for the will of God to be accomplished in this nation, in other parts of the world where, there's, where there are wars or there are earthquakes, or all kind of challenges happening, we as intercessors should pray that 
the peace of God will prevail over these nations in the mighty name of Jesus. And even in our nation at the moment, we should continue to pray. There's a prophecy that Apostle gave at the beginning of the year that for the, for, for the next three years, we're going to have a lot of series of challenges going on. So you and I, what we need to do, God has set us over this nation. We should pray for the will of God to do and for the peace of God to prevail. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Um, Mom told us that Jeremiah was a man of priestly birth, so I won't go too much into that. So we all need to know that we are royal priesthood, peculiar people, First Peter 2, 9. And as such, when God gives us an assignment, we should not be afraid or give excuses, but we must be willing to obey and do what God tells us, whether through the scriptures, through the angel of the house, our father and our mother and the Lord, leaders whom God sent to us in the house. Even in dreams, God could give us assignments in open visions and so on. So we should just obey God and do what he tells us. And that is why we need to be intimate with him, as this would enable us to recognize it is God that is speaking with us. I'll just give an example of myself. I remember years back, I was on the bus, a bus 181. I was going somewhere, and on the bus there was a driver, myself, and another man. Then the Holy Spirit told me, get up and preach. I was saying, what do I have to say? I don't have anything to say. What do you, what, I don't even have anything or any, I was saying that in my mind. The Holy Spirit said, get up and preach. There were just the three of us. Yeah, I don't know, because I was tre- really struggling with what I was told. I don't know when, the other, when another person came in. Another man came in. And as soon as he came in, he, stood, he, he sat down, then he stood up and started preaching. Then I was really shaking on the board, on the bus. I would say, what is this? I think I would just say I was afraid. So that's why God is telling Jeremiah here, which brings me to uh, Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah uh, chapter 1 verse 8. It says we should not be fearful. So we should not be fearful or be cowards in any circumstances. We should not say we are young or not experienced or timid to undertake God's given assignment. Because God qualifies the person he has called and is likewise able to empower us in any assignments he gives us. We are soldiers, soldiers marching and fighting for the Lord. The songwriter says that the name of Jesus we shall conquer. So God told Jeremiah he should not be afraid of their faces for he is with him. God is affirming this to us as well. That he is with us in all our Christian work in any assignments he's given us. Mom mentioned that Jeremiah devotedly served God who called him. God has called every one of us. So we should also devotedly be devoted to God. May we know how to listen to God too. We should not just be praying, but we should learn to listen to God. Because in the dialogue between Jeremiah and God, Jeremiah listened to God because God should like dialoguing with us. He doesn't just like us to just be praying. He likes dialoguing with us in conversing and speaking to us. May we continually be empowered by God Almighty. In Jesus' name. Praise God. What I learned is just the sequence of how things happen in Jeremiah chapter 1. For what mom said was to remind us, especially our children that are born to leaders or that are born in this household, that you are already born into a family of a priesthood. And for every one of us that is born into this family, a word can come to us like it came to Jeremiah in verse 2 and in verse 4. 
And this fulfilled the scripture that we all know about in Romans 8 verse 29. That says that for those God foreknew, he also predestined. And that's what happened to him. Like Dickiness just mentioned, God brings us to a place where we can dialogue with him. If he's giving us something to do and we are afraid or we don't know the essence of what to do, there is a place that we can talk to God in prayer. And I believe that's what happened with Jeremiah. When the word came to him, he dialogued with God. And after that has been concluded, the word came to him again to strengthen him, to tell him not to be afraid, and after, and also tell him what he's supposed to do. And for those of us that have gifts, that's when you can begin to operate your gift like Jeremiah did. Then God asked him, what do you see? And not like all the artists will say that some um, that could have been said, oh, I don't know what I'm saying, or tree like man, but he could actually see the Amo tree, uh, Amo tree and interpreted that correctly. He could see the pot that was boiling. But this all follows a sequence after God came to him and strengthened him. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I thought we were seven. Is that seven? Oh, okay. Praise the Lord. Wow. So we've received the message again. Now, today we are going to go over what we've learned. We can't go any further. Apostle will not allow us to go any further because we need to digest chapter one. And there's so much message in chapter one before we can move to chapter two. Chapter 1 is an introduction of the author himself, which is Jeremiah. And we've all said so much and even more revelation in addition to what we received from mom last week. If I go from, I'm not going to treat everything. I will just take some few points until Apostle come and join us. But chapter 1, when I went back home, I read it again from that verse 1. And I read from verse 1 to 3. It says, The word of Jeremiah, son of Elkiah, one of the priests at Anatro, in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year. I want us to pay attention to this. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, and through the reign of Joachim, son of Josiah, that's another king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, another king, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. So the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in three sets of kings. One Josiah, one Joachim, and one Zedekiah. And when I was pondering on this, it just brought the, the fact that Jeremiah was relevant in his days. He was a man who was zealous throughout the reign of three kings. And we can liken that to us as Christians. 
You look back for how many years you've given your life to Christ when you became born again. From the time that you became born again till now, some of us is just five years ago, some 20 years, some 30, some are going to 40 years. But can you confidently say that you were relevant throughout those number of years? Or has your Christianity spirit or your faith in Christ, as he really doing go? This man said the word of the Lord came to him in the, in the days of Josiah. The word of the Lord also came to him in the days of Joachim. The word of the Lord also came to him in the days of Zedekiah. So he was a man that was conversant with visions, with revelations, with encounter from God. There was not a time in in Jeremiah's life that he was dried up. Can we put our own Christianity on a scale and actually say that we are really on fire for, for God from the moment we became born again to now? Or our zeal for God has gone cold? Maybe you, your, your story, God forbid, if our story was we used to hear God before, but now we don't. Oh, we used to come to church before, but you guess what? Church is becoming boring. I used to read about many chapters of the Bible, six chapters in a day or three chapters in a day, but today I even find it difficult to complete one chapter. Is that our story? Oh, I used to pray all night, but guess what? The moment I kneel down, I feel sleepy. And I keep on postponing my prayer time year in, year out until I become so dry. Is that our testimony? This man was on fire for God. And the reason why he was on fire for God because his relationship with, with God was intact. Can we say that about ourselves? That our relationship with God is intact today. Just a point of correction. Last week, we... we we made mention of the fact that Jeremiah was 20 years old, but Apostle corrected that, that it could be 17. He was 17 at the time. Maybe there is a different, because we have different Bible, you know, yeah, so messages, all those people that wrote Bible uh, commentaries. So maybe it differs from one commentary to another. But Apostle was saying that he was actually 17, so he was a child. And at the time, the Israelites at that time were serving other gods. They are forsaking the God that brought them out of Egypt. So they were going about their own lives. But little did they know that in the life of this child called Jeremiah was a substance. The message that will bring them back out of exile, back to God. And the Bible recorded that in verse 5. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Now, people will look at Jeremiah in his days and say, this one is a young chap. He's just a young man. What did he know? But God said he set him apart. Before he was born, God set him apart. And God gave him an appointment. He knew his calling. And his calling was a prophet. We can liken that to ourselves. This year, God doesn't want us to take him for granted. God wants to use the substance that he has placed in us. This is our year to manifest. This is not our year to sit on the fence. This is not our year to hide everything that God has placed in the inside of us. It is not a hiding season. It's a time for revelation. It's for us to be revealed. 
Why? Because it's the year of God's glory. Arise, shine. Anyone who wants to glory, who wants to be set upon a hill, needs to arise and shine. So this is our year to shine. This is our year to discover what God has placed in the inside of us. This is not the year for us to hide. This is not the year for us to be afraid. This is not the year for us to be fearful like Jeremiah was before. He was afraid. He was fearful. He was giving God excuses. I'm a child. This is not the year for us to say, I am a child. This is not the year to, for you to say, I am not ordained. I'm not a leader. All was poured on this leader's head, but it's not poured on me. But guess what? We cannot say that in this house because every one of us have been anointed. Apart from us being anointed by God himself, we have had opportunity where apostles have anointed every one of us. It might not be that you have been anointed into a particular office, but you have been anointed. So we cannot give excuses. So this is not that year. But the Bible says the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. How would the word of God come to him if he's not the person who is conversant with the word of God himself? If you have not been reading the word of God, when the word of God comes to you, you will not say it is his word of God. Because you'll be thinking it's a word of man. Or maybe something is whispering into your ear. So for the word of the Lord to come to you, and you actually will say that this is the word from God, you need to be conversant with the word of God. You need to spend time with the word of God. And in this house, the reason why we are studying this is different from being in a Bible school so-called. The reason why we are studying this scripture is so that we can practicalize it in our own lives. So that we can see where do I, where do I fall into, which part do I fall into in this word of God. We want the word of God to become alive in us. That's the reason why we are studying it. So that's why I'm making references to the things that are already going on in the house. So the word of the Lord will only come to someone who is conversant with the word of God, who read the word of God daily and understand the language of God. The language of God is his word. And that is why when you are a servant of God or a man or a woman of God who reads the word of God, you already know how God speaks. And it's so easy for you to be able to operate in discernment. So that when the word of the Lord comes to you, you will know that, yes, this is what God is saying. It is God speaking to me. Or it is man speaking to me. Or it's my thoughts. It is what I'm thinking. You'll be able to discern. So we have no excuse in this house. Why do I say we don't have an excuse? Because from last year, the Holy Spirit led it on the heart of the man of God to do these Bible studies for us. So that every day we have a portion of scriptures that we have to read. It's not like any other day that you are just saying, oh, what should I read? Let me just open my Bible and point on one chapter. Close my eyes and point. Let me just open it. Anywhere I point to that I will read the whole of that chapter. Those days have gone. God has made it so easy for us so that when you wake up in the morning, you know what to read. Now, if you want to now go further and read something more, and guess what? When you are reading those scriptures, another scripture will flash into your mind. Because it is, that is how you study the scripture. You don't read it. When you are studying the scripture, you say, I've heard about this story before. Okay. It must have been in the book of Exodus chapter 15. Let me read the whole of Exodus chapter 15. Then you will see the, real, you will see the significance of what you are reading currently compared to the one that the Lord has now laid on your spirit and to build yourself up.
and gain more knowledge of the word. So we have no excuse not to allow the word of the Lord come to us because the word of the Lord comes to every single person in this house on a daily basis. But the reason why some are already hearing the word of God and some are not hearing the word of God, not that God is not speaking, is because the person that is hearing the word of God knows how God speaks because he has spent so much time in God's presence reading the word. So the word of the Lord came to him. So like I said in chapter, in verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This year God wants us to discover our calling. He wants us to discover the grace that God has placed in the inside of us. And not just discovering it, but walking in it. Because if this man only can just receive encouragement, if Jeremiah just received encouragement, though, God said, before I formed me, before I was formed in my mother's womb, he knew me. If he just sat on that and he did not manifest the call of a prophet, they will not be reading the whole of Jeremiah today. This man did exploit in his time because he recognized the call of God. We have to recognize the call of God in our lives. And as parents in the house, most of us are parents here. This is the time for you to now begin to pray and nurture, especially those of you who are just giving back to children. This is the time for you to now nurture the gift that is in the life of your son or your daughter. This is the time for you to seek God for them. If those children are growing up, you already will begin to see some signs of what the grace that God has given them. This is the time for us to nurture it. So, but God, each one of us here, we are significant in the hand of God, and God has given us an assignment. And the assignment of Jeremiah was to the nations. Your own assignment or your, the, the people that God is sending you to might not be to the nations. It might just be maybe to your neighbor somewhere. But God expects you to be faithful as someone that is faithful to the wide world ministry. You can't say, oh, because uh, it's just a little bit of a handful of people God has given me to, then you are not, you are not committed to it. God expects the same commitment that he will give you and he's explaining the same commitment with apostle. Apostle have been sent to, to England, and God still branch out to use him in other parts of the world. But your own might just be here. It might just be your place of work. It might just be your own little family. But how faithful are you? So God has appointed us. And in verse 9, he says, Then the Lord reached out his hands and touched my mouth. And said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. God has put, in his, has put his words in our own mouth. And when God speak, he put his words in our, in our mouth, he expects us to speak forth. I thank God for what um, uh, Timmy said earlier on. The word of the Lord is in your mouth. And God expects you to open your mouth and speak it forth. God has anointed us to make declarations in our life. What sort of declaration are we making today? You know, the words that we speak, they are life and they are spirits. The words of God that we speak can justify us and also condemn us. And every word that we speak in the last days, we will give account of it. The Bible says we will give account of every careless word that we speak. So I, we don't want to give account of careless words. That's why we should not fill our mouth with careless words. We should fill our mouth with words of life, with God himself. 
And it was at the point of this man receiving the word of God in his mouth that he was able to see clearly. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks forth. So it's whatever you, ha- you are made up in your heart. What you can see in your heart is what you will speak forth. If you cannot see success, then success cannot manifest. If you cannot see yourself as being on top and taking the high position in your place of work, then you will become that, you'll be on that same level as you have always been. So the authority is already in our hands. God has given it to us. And in verse 16, God says, I will pronounce my judgment on my people. Why? Because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods, and in worshipping what their hands have made. So God pronounced judgment on his own people. Why? Because they turned their back against God. If we go into Jeremiah chapter 2, that is what that is all about. For those of us who have read ahead, the danger of forsaking God. How do we forsake God? We forsake God when we no longer pay attention to him. In that Jeremiah, I know Apostle will want us to just want me to say a little bit, just a summary of what chapter 2 is all about. God was reminding them that how, what, what made him to turn his back against them and pronounce judgment on them. He said, because they are forsaken him. Because when we were in the wilderness, God was there to lead them. He was with them to lead them through those dangerous paths. It was in chapter 2 that I realized the picture of the wilderness. The picture of the wilderness was the fact that many people do not like to go there because it's a dangerous path. It is a place that is void of water, void of livelihood, and full of you know, dangerous beasts that can attack them. But because God was going before them, he was able to protect them from all dangers. He was able to provide for them in the wilderness. Where will you see Max and Spencer in the wilderness? Where will you see Tesco in the wilderness? But God was able to provide for his people in the wilderness. So the wilderness is a dry period. It was a place of emptiness and hopelessness. But God was able to provide for them because he was going with them. He was leading them. And they loved God. He actually told them that Israelite was like my bride. So when we love God, God will provide for us in every season of our life. Because every one of us will go through our wilderness period. Some are already there. And some are yet to be there. And the wilderness place is a place where God strengthens his people. When God matures us. Where God allow us not to depend on man, but to depend on him solely. Because you already know, when you look to your left, you look to your right, you look in front of you at your back, there is no help anywhere. So you need to just depend 100% on God. And that's the place where God wants to take us, where we will 100% depend on him, without looking backwards. So a place of wilderness is a place of emptiness and dryness. But here he said, he will pronounce, he's now given... The Jeremiah the prophet, what he's about, his plan about what he wants to do to his own people. You think it is, it is pleasurable, pleasurable for God to be able to pronounce judgment on his people? No. 
No. When God sees his children suffering unnecessarily, it saddens his heart. It grieves his heart. Because it's a choice. It is a choice. He said, I will pronounce my judgment on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me. It is a wicked thing for us to forsake God. It is a wicked thing for us to depend on ourselves and not depend on him. It is a wicked thing for us not to acknowledge God in all of our ways and think that it's by our own power that we do it. When you get home, read the book of Deuteronomy because that is even where it tells us when God brings us into a landfill with milk and honey, are we going to say by this is by our own power that we have gotten there? So when we get home, let's read the old book, or all, the old chapter of Deuteronomy chapter 8. It tells us about how the consequence of us turning our back against God. But this is what I wrote in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 16. I said, who are you burning incense to? And what takes most of your time? Incense is our prayers. Who do you pray to? Whoever you spend most of your time with or what you spend most of your time doing is who you burn your incense to. What takes most of your time? Is it gossiping? Is it slandering? Is it lying? Is it sinning? Is it chatting on the phone? And you have no time to be in God's presence? So incense represents prayer. Are you spending time to do wickedness or dwelling in God's presence? This sounds like the psalmist David said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tent of wickedness. Are we dwelling in the tent of wickedness or we are spending time in his presence? To behold God's beauty, Psalm 27, verse 4. Let's have that on the board. One thing about desire of the Lord, that will, will I seek after. Psalm 27, verse 4. Say, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. What is the one thing? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So that means that when David was young... His life, his social life was in the church. That sounds like us, isn't it? That also sounds like the apostles. The Bible says every day they continue in the temple courts daily. And we thank God that in this house we follow the pattern of the apostles. This house is open to the, to the church daily. And people come in here to seek the face of the Lord. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What do you do in the house of the Lord? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Today we are gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. When we come into God's presence to share the word of God together, to hear one another sharing the word, it beautifies us. We are beholding his beauty. We are beholding his glory. The beauty of God is his glory. We are beholding his glory. The more of you being in the presence of God, the more you are becoming like him. If you look at chapter 2, it was talking about how the people turn their glory into beasts. And it just brought me back to when the 
created that calf, that golden calf. When God, who is the God Almighty, the one who created the heavens and the earth, brought them out of Egypt and led them through the Israelites, and they said that, no, we don't want to serve the Almighty God. We would rather serve this golden calf. And the Bible says that people make idols. And he said that the people that make their idols, if you look at Psalm 115, it talks about that. The people who make idols and trust in them, they are like them. So you are, people are like the people that they serve. If you serve, an, if people serve an idol, they will be like the idol. They will look like the idol. But when we serve God, we will be like God. We will look like God. We will act like God. We will talk like God. We will, we will, we will behave like God. We will reason like God. So we will be like God. So going back into Psalm, I'm still talking about Psalm 27 verse 4. We will behold the beauty of the Lord. When we are in God's presence, imagine you being in the presence of the Lord in your home. You will begin to be, people will just be seeing the beauty of God in you. You will carry his glory because you are in his presence. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. So when we come together as a body to share the word of God, to have fellowship together, one with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, we will be like him. That is why those who spend their time in pub houses, they talk like them. Those who spend their time in theaters, they talk like them. When you spend your time in the midst of unbelievers and what they are speaking is all about, how Brexit this, how Brexit that, then you guys will begin to be worried like them. But when you spend your time in the Word of God, you will pick on God's promise. That in the days of famine, I will have plenty. Because you are spending your time in the world. And so you behold, in the presence of God, what do you do? You behold the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So the, the, the temple of the Lord is not a place where you come and chat. Thank God that we, we don't have that avenue in CFT. Once you come into the house of God, we break into branch cells and we start praying. So there's no time for chitty chatty. There is no time for you to gossip this and that. This is the time for us to seek the face of the Lord. So why did the Lord pronounce judgment? It's because they forsake him. And they are doing wickedness. And they are not burning incense to God. They are not praying to God. And said so they are worshipping what their hands have made. How many of us are worshipping what our hands have made? Anything that takes the place of God in you, that takes most of your time apart from God, it is your God. So I want us to look into ourselves inward. Let's look at the lives of everyone around us. Look at your own family. What is it that you're doing? Is the family altar, has it been dissolved? You no longer have any family altar in your home? Jeremiah was a man or, or, or he was a son of a priest. So that means as a son of a priest, most of the time they come together, maybe they read the Torah. Maybe they spend time looking at the laws. So he is conversant with the laws. He's conversant with the word of God because he was born in a godly home. Those of us who have opportunity to have the ark of God, which is the presence of God in our home, how are we treasuring this ark? How are we honoring the ark of God in our home? Or is the ark of God being put under the bushel and is no longer honored? God wants to bring us to that place. And until we now discover that, in this, in this year of God's glory, we will not be able to do much. God wants to glorify us. When God glorifies a man, he sets him upon a hill and he reveals the man. 
When God glorifies a man, he makes that man to stand out. And God wants to stand us out, not just in the house of God, but even in our places of work, in our schools, in our communities, in our institution of learning. God wants to stand us out. But the only way we can, we can stand out is by us keeping all these requirements. Requirement of being in the house of the Lord daily. Requirement of us not forsaking God, but acknowledging God like Jeremiah did. And in verse 19, God now gave him an assurance. Let's read from verse 17. He said, get yourself ready. And this is what God is telling us. We are still in the very, you know, it is still refreshing now because we are still in the second week of the new year. We still have how many months to go? 11 months and two weeks to go. And the year 2019 will be no more. But God wants us to get ourselves ready because there is tax for us ahead. God wants us to get ourselves ready because there is too much exploits to be done in this house. And guess what? Apostle wants us to, and also wants me to remind you that you have been anointed. And because you have been anointed, God has called you into service. And the only way he can distinct those who he will use this year is only when you are faithful in that service, when you are dedicated to that service, when you are devoted to that service, and when you are diligent to that service. We all know those three Ds. So we need to be dedicated because Joshua was, Jeremiah was. We need to be diligent because he was. We need to be devoted because he was. So we need to get ourselves ready. And he says, stand up and say to them, whatever I command you. So everything that God has commanded each one of us, every instruction that we have received in this house, or what he has given you specifically as a person, you have to deliver. And you have to do it faithfully. He said, do not be terrified by them. We have no reason for fear because we've been anointed. And God said he will be with us. His presence is what makes the difference. If his presence is not there, I will say, ah, we have every reason to fear. But because of his presence, because of his, of, of his anointing, the enablement he has given us, we have nothing to terrify us. As Dickiness was saying earlier on that this is the year that God wants us to come out in evangelism and to evangelize. And this is the year that God wants to reveal us because it says that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. And we are the one that God has put the message. As he has put the message in the mouth of Jeremiah, he has put the message in our own lips also. And we need not to be terrified of the people we are going out to, to evangelize. He says, or I will terrify you before them. We don't want that to be our portion. Verse 8, he said, today I have made you a fortified city. That means you can never be shaken. A fortified city can never be shaken. A fortified city is one that stands firm. Wind will blow a fortified city. That means challenges will come to us this year and give us an opportunity to deny or to question, is God really, really going to deliver what he said he's going to deliver? Is this year really going to be the year of God's glory? There will be challenges. Challenges. But God said he has made you a fortified city. So that means that God is the one who is a wall of fire around you. God is your holy defense. He will defend you. He has made you a fortified city. A fortified city is a city that has been 
has been barricaded by the angels of God. I'm referring to us. That means that even if forces come against that city, because that city is already fortified, protected, then nothing can overcome that city. So we are that city. We are that fortified city. So we have every, everything that we need to stand firm. We have it. Everything that we need to fulfill our obligation before God, we have it. Everything for us to answer the call, we have it. So there's no excuse. Like Jeremiah had no excuse in his time because God said, I am with you. I am with you. So he said, an iron pillar. You know that pillar, we all have pillars in this house. These are all pillars. And these pillars, God knows how many years they have been standing like this. How many years? So they must be solid. So are we. We are iron pillars. Nothing can break us. Nothing can move us. The wind will blow. The tsunami will come, but we will stand firm. So in the challenges, we are not saying that this year, the year of God's glory is going to be rosy. But I tell you, even if it's not going to be rosy, you will experience it being rosy. Because even in the time of challenges, you will know that, look, <laughs> there is a man that I have by my side. There is a God by my side. I love that scripture in the book of Psalm. David said, I have God on my side at my right hand. I cannot be moved. Wow. I love it. So anytime I look at my side, I know that God is there. I look at my side here, I know that God is there. So no matter what challenges that comes your way, you know that you can withstand it. Because there is someone who is greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we are a fortified city, an iron pillar, and we are a bruising wall. So these are all strong structures. So that's why we serve a big God who is by our side. To stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah. Can you imagine? One man, Jeremiah. Just one man. And that is why when we see ourselves this year, I don't want you to see ourselves as us. Don't say, don't, don't see yourself as us. Oh, if uh, people, if this sister or my brother doesn't come to church, I will not come. No, see yourself as an individual this year. Even if you are the only one that will show up in prayer, make sure that that first, that the, the one hour that you're going to spend here, you spend it from that 78. Don't say, oh, I've waited one minute, two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes. They are not sure. I better check out myself. No. One man. One man. God is looking for one man. That one man will be you, and that one man will be me. So, to stand against the whole land, one man, there is so much potential in us, and we need not to overlook that potential. We need not to overlook the grace that God has given to us. This grace is what God lavished on us free of charge. And we don't have to overlook this land. We don't have to overlook the grace. Neither should we take the grace of God for granted in our lives. This is not a year to take God for granted. This is a year for us to rise up and walk. Rise up and walk with God. Rise up and be available for God. God is looking for available vessels. Is he going to find you faithful or find me faithful? He found Jeremiah faithful because Jeremiah could have still 
bent on his ways that look, I'm too young. That's it. I've not been sent. I can't just do the work because I'm too young. But he did not. So the same message that God communicated to Jeremiah in his days is communicating to yourself and myself today. And it was the same message he communicated to Isaiah in his days, Isaiah 6. Who may go for us? Who may we send? Isaiah appeared and he said, look, here I am, send me. Are we able to say that? This is the year that God wants to use us. And he said, to stand against the kings of Judah. Can you imagine? These are talking about authorities. 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 We have authority in the land. We have the, we have the prime minister as the authority. You have an authority in your place of work. You have authority in schools, children. You have authority. You have authority. So no authority should be able to come against the will of God for your life. No authority should be able to stop God's purpose for your life. God has a purpose for us, and we need to fulfill that purpose. His officials, his priests, even priests, even priests, Jeremiah was sent to different categories of people. He was, he was sent to the old land. He was sent to men and women in, opos- in positions, in high positions. He was sent to officials. He was sent to the pastors, to the elders. He was sent to the spiritual leaders of the land. He was sent to the people of the land, both young and old. He was sent to them. Who are you sent to? Who are you sent to? I will, I will say that you are sent to your own family. Can you imagine if you are preaching the old gospel to the uttermost part of the earth, but your own Jerusalem is suffering? Your own, your own immediate family do not hear the gospel from your own lips, but you are preaching to the whole world. So I will say that we need to get the priority right. Because our salvation should affect our household. It will save us together with our household. If our household is not saved and we are busy spreading the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth, how unwise that is. So God is sending us to our own family. This is the time for us to minister to our family again and tell them, look, mom, I love you. Dad, I love you. Sister, I love you. My brother, I love you. My in-laws, I love you and I respect you. But guess what? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. You need to live right. So that we will not be gnashing our teeth. You know, the Bible says in the last day there will be gnashing of teeth. We don't want to be gnashing our teeth on the judgment day. Because someone will come to us. Another person will come to us. Ah, thank God you ministered to me when I was at the bus stop at New Cross Gates. You ministered to me in Oxford Street in the house of Fraser. They will tell you on the last day. And we don't want our family members to say, ah, my daughter, God forbid. You did not minister to me. You did not tell me. I know you were going to, you are thinking I'm going to tell you off. But this is life. I won't have been in this place of torment. If you have insisted, we don't, that will not be our story in Jesus' name. It's a bitter story. It will not be our story. So as God sent Jeremiah to all these different categories of people, so are we being sent. We've been sent to the uttermost part of the earth. We have been sent to our Jerusalem, to our Judea, to our Samaria. And we need to minister to them. So they will fight against you. So this is not an easy task. 
Like mommy rightly said last week, it's a difficult task. Jeremiah was given a difficult task. It wasn't easy. So it is. The calling upon your life is not easy. It's not easy peasy. Don't think that, oh, God has called me. It's just going to be easy. I'll just go to this nation and proclaim the gospel there. And then they will respond without any doubt. Immediately, no, it's not going to be like that. It's not going to be like that. It's not that easy. So God knew ahead of time that this message is going to really cause a roar in the heart of many. And they are not going to take it easy with him. They will fight. In fact, when we go through the scripture, we found out that he was in prison. Many times he had wept. He was known as a weeping prophet. Wept over and over and over again. So it's not, it wasn't that easy. So it is. When God sent you, the potential that God has placed in you, it's not going to be something that is easy for you to deliver it. But you will deliver it anyway. Because God said in verse 19, as he told Jeremiah, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you. The Bible says that he that wants to live a godly life will face persecution. You know, when you make up your mind that you are, you are going all the way for Christ, people will criticize you. They will even tell you that it's all fake. It's all Thank you, Father, that you have called us. What a privilege to know you, Jesus. Thank you because you are at our side. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. So, 19 says, They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you. And will rescue you. Hallelujah. Declares the Lord. This is God himself. Almighty God speaking. That his presence is the one that makes the difference. If you can only seek God for his presence. His presence. No one will be able to overcome you. As long as you don't give up. In the midst of your fight. Because we are soldiers. And we need to fight. We are soldiers of the cross. We need to fight. The Bible says we will face hardship. But the Lord will deliver us. So we need to know that behind our mind. But the, the, what I really want to communicate tonight before we pray is the fact that God has given us grace this year. He has given us the grace already. But that grace needs to come out. That calling needs to manifest. The world is yearning for our manifestation and we need to manifest. 
People should be able to recognize the grace in your place of work. They should be able to, it should be a privilege having you on board in your place of work, in your schools. It should be a privilege. When people see you, they should be able to say that, yes, if you are not part of the team, we know that we cannot succeed because you are the source of their success. That is the, that's the interpretation of what this year is all about. Arise, shine. And I'm linking it to this scripture. Because if Jeremiah did not manifest, then Israel will not know their shortcomings. They will not know the heart of the Father. He brought the heart of the Father. I love Jeremiah too. When we get to Jeremiah 2, you will know how God expressed himself. He expressed his heart felt for his people. How he loved them. And what went wrong? What actually went wrong that made them turn their back against him? What really went wrong? What offense did he commit? God, you know, I just saw the heart of the Father in chapter 2. But God was trying in chapter 1, he's trying to tell Jeremiah what is in him. He should not undermine what is in him. And God is telling us also, don't undermine what is in you. What is in you is far more greater than what other people perceive of you or what you perceive of yourself. So much, but we need that so much to come out and manifest. So this is what this year is all about. And I thank God that we've started well. Can you imagine the whole of the people? We started well, and this will be the lifestyle to the end of 2019. Because we are dedicated, we are diligent, and we are devoted. Nothing we dwindle our, nothing we kill our devotion. Nothing we kill our diligence. Nothing we kill our determination. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? Time to stop. Let's welcome Daddy. Hallelujah. Amen. I just came in the right time. Let me just give you a little bit of a view. First of all, if you look at your yourselves, many are those who proclaim the word of the Lord. I'm sure that you must have learned from verse 1, chapter 1, 1, predestination. Before you were born, answer it, yes, why smile some people, quiet, okay, let's hear it again, good. Three against two major things you mustn't forget. So the first mystery is that before God ever formed any human being, all human beings, in his mind, he knew he would form them, and he knows the form he will make them. Some of us physically we are strong. Some of us are weak. God knew it. He did it that way. So, then the second very important thing in second category is when you were born. So before you were born, where you are born, the nation, the family, the tribe, the parents and everything, God knew it. And he has also ordained you before you were born. 
And there is a setting apart for you, which is point number three. It talks about two dimensions. I appointed you. All right? I set you apart. Okay. So whatever you are today is God's determination. Let me help you understand that not every man under heaven fulfilled this. Many go to their grave without fulfilling it. Because the word set apart means I have set up something for you. Your ability to fulfill it, that is in your hands. <clears throat> Not everybody who were born and set apart for some purposes achieve it or not. There are people very poor on earth, but God ordained them to be extremely wealthy. But because they could not discover the ordination, and they could not conform with the precepts. So they grew up and became very, very poor. And we have this cycle in the world again and again and again and again and again. Also, there are many people who are highly engraced and anointed by God. But because they do not understand how to conform with such discipline, they will just be in the church. They could be sexing in the church until they die, nothing happens. So in the grave, you have a lot of unfulfilled purpose and mandates in the grave. Now, haven't you known this? You will also recognize that, I'm sure Pastor has taken you through that, that when the time came for God to call Jeremiah, one thing you must know is that Jeremiah was in the family of priesthood, like you. Anyone born again is a royal priesthood. Okay? Now, he was in a family where the word of God is taught. Like all of you are in Christ's tabernacle, what everybody knows this church for under heaven is a place where the truth is taught without compromise. So you are disposed to what God intends to do with you. Now, he now said, Father, God showed a vision to him. Okay? He was in the family, but his knowledge of the world was not deep. He observed the calamity of Israel. You will find that in chapter 2. All the threats, all the rebellion. He was not contented with it. Like the state of the global church today, a true child of God, who truly loves God, will not be happy for what Christians have become. It will be a headache for you. If you don't have such, you must catch up with it this year. I would mean now. If you have been taking God for contempt, you are not concerned about the institution of God. If you are concerned about the institution of God, today, the first headache you have is the way they have turned church. And the dogma of many people who go to churches all over the world. When you talk with them, and you are telling them the truth, you will see how much naive they are. Even ministers, pastors, don't know the word of God. And people go under them quickly. They will get it. That's the first thing. But the Bible says when God showed him a vision, he didn't have understanding of the vision because to understand vision, you need true knowledge of the word. So God put the word in him. You remember the three pillars? The Lord is near to those. Then, and then, that's 19. Yes. And then 20. So, you know something, you must always go through this again and again because we will not leave these three in January until it percolates our membrane and fill all the lacuna 
that constitute quagmire. So that all other ground that was sinking sand will turn to hard ground. This January is to fortify us for what God is about to do. Is to fortify. God wants to do beyond you can ever imagine. Everything you have acquired in your life that look irrelevant. You will, be, you will be shocked when God will bring it to the relevance this year. He will use them to work good for you. All the things you have been taught that you have forgotten, you will go back and pick your books. Because God will use those things to forge your destiny as you are going ahead. So we see the importance of the word of God. God put the word in his mouth to eat it. And when he ate the word, God showed him and he saw. My spiritual father, Apostle Joseph uh, no, uh, Prophet Obadari. That was my last father. When God called him, he was a teacher. He doesn't know the Bible. He jokes with the Bible. He's one of those who drinks Pamwani a lot. He's always at the beer parlor, we call it, pub, drinking. And his father was a pastor. <laughs> you get it now? And then, God told him that he was going to call him and he was just joking with, with Pawine. He told his, his, his friend, do you believe that God will, if God don't find someone to use, it's me. God knows that I love Pawine. And how can I be preaching when I love Pawine? I can't leave Pawine to go and preach. And his friend will say that, uh, well, when God calls you, both of us will call together. And the prophet said you will be blind because you will fall by adultery. And God said, the day I take your sight, that is the day my unction rests upon you. And he told his friend, all on top of that, uh, you know, they said, I will lose my sight. If I take pan wine, the eyes will be clear. <laughs> and a lot of us told him that, well, if you lose your sight, I will be your road. We will take you everywhere. Just take more pan wine, you took pan wine. So the day the Lord visited him, he just... He was seated, and they were before their normal power. He lost it. His eye was going gloomy. He said that I can't see very well. And Rabbi Lontoba said that uh, you can't see very well. Take a little bit of power to clear your sight. He took power. He said, no, I'm serious. I'm, I'm not seeing again. I can't see at all anymore. Then that one said, is it that the prophecy has happened to you? He got to know that the Lord has visited him. And the, that man said, because I promise you, as God called you now, I follow you. I'll be the one who will be taking you about. That was how he became his oddly. But after he got to him now, <clears throat> he was saying that. But I don't know Bible. <laughs> how can I preach? Now I don't have eyes. And I didn't do braids. He was a modern school trained teacher. So the Lord visited him in the night and opened his head into two. And when the Lord put his hand on his head, his head slashed into two, opened it up like this, and took Bible, put it in the head, and he closed it back, and he sewed it. He woke up. From Genesis to Revelation, he can read it of mine. When you are reading for him, he will tell you there is a comma there. And when you get to a full stop, you do a full stop. I said there is a full stop there. If you read it and pronounce it wrongly, he will correct it. Professors of theology came from England to come and test him. That you don't read braids. How could you know Bible like that? 
He told them the story. And he said, that is interesting. And he began to quote various scriptures from Genesis to Revelation and say, what is in that scripture? And we read it. He quoted and we read everything. When they finished with them, they said, well, we don't understand this. They went back to England. But the importance of what I'm telling you is that the knowledge of the word of God is very instrumental to everything that God will do for you. Everything in your life. <clears throat> for you to see, you need the word. For you to know, you need the word. For you to succeed, you need the word. For you to overcome the devil, you need the word. There is nothing you can have on earth that you don't need the word. All your effort to read, to be educated and all stuff, to save money. For you to turn that into success, it is knowing and obeying and doing the word. Did you get it now? Because there are people who have more certificates than you, they, are, they amount to nothing. Professor, I met a professor on the street, homeless, and become an alcoholic. Professor of UCL, genius in mathematics. They don't know what to do with him. In his alcoholism and, and on the street, when they have problem with NASA and the rest of them, they go look for him. He will just solve it, but he will not leave the street. It's grace that makes a difference. So if there's anything you go with today more than all, it is that. The book of Psalms says, Fear the Lord, O you servants of the Lord, for there is no lack for those who fear him. The children of Salaam may hunger and they may thirst, but those who fear God never lack every good thing. The other Christian says, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding had all who practice it. So I will say this to us that we all want to be Jeremiah. We all want to fulfill our calling. We want to fulfill our mandate. That is your spiritual calling. This year, it must be manifest. And of course, to your physical calling, which is your business, your career and stuff, in this year, you must reach the climax. That is to say that in your practice, you must be known by all that, you know, there is somebody who is very top and in this career, and that will be you. Because of the, because of the knowledge you will display, in solving problems, in tackling issues in your office, God will outstand you in this year. So the word you have read here today, go home and practice them. Make sure you read the Jeremiah again. Don't read so many Jeremiahs. That is uh, many chapters. I know that, you know, all of you are good readers, but it is better to repeat a very... Uh, page again and again. Each time you repeat it, analyze it, break it down, pieces it. Read it again and again and again. When you read chapter 2 now, which is your next one, relate it with chapter 1. You can read as many volumes about Jeremiah. And I'm sure that you have been told that Jeremiah was 17. You know, I always say to you in the church about the age of some people, um, um, Josiah was 8, Uzziah was 16, Solomon was 30 when he became king. David was 30 when he became king. Saul was 30. And that is synonymous to Jesus being 30. Moses was 40 in the first service. Then 80 he was called. Caleb was 80 when he took over his allotment. Joshua was 80. So you need to know those, <clears throat> those ages because they are relevant, especially when you begin to talk about God with people, sharing the word of God with people. That it doesn't matter your age. What matters is who commands you. Let me chip this into you before we go. Uh, when I was with the intercessors, I think I mentioned it here. And uh, in, in um, 
New Cross, especially much more in New Cross. That's why I couldn't come to you yesterday. I was in New Cross throughout. Do you know that all the nine gifts of the Spirit, there's only one gift in it that is for you. Every gift of the Spirit is to profit others. But the gift of tongue is to profit the one who receives. If you look at all the gifts, faith, uh, he, um, wisdom, knowledge, uh, healing, miraculous, uh, science and wonders, tongue, and no interpretation of tongue, not tongue, um, and discernment, prophetic, all those things are, you will benefit people outside. But tongue is for you. Because the Bible says, he that speaks in tongue builds off himself, edifies himself. And I say this to you, all of you must pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one, which the day you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will speak in tongues. You may not speak thereafter. Okay? To speak after, you must pray for the gift of tongues. And you know this thing is very easy, you know, which I've given you. Three chapters of the Bible in your morning devotion. Pray for tongues as a gift. Then, in the evening, three chapters before you sleep, pray for tongues. Pray seriously for it. It is a gift that can help you. Above all, other gifts are for, of course, you know, some may say to me that, but Paul said that you should desire the gift that bless the church. Yes, but you know he said before that I pray in tongues more than all of you. When you are tired, when you pray in tongues, you will, it will blow out the tiredness. When you are worried, sometimes you face challenges in life. And those challenges, Satan will try to oppress your mind. Okay? Bamboozy with all manners of thoughts. If you can pray in tongues, instantly you start praying in tongues, you will overthrow every spirit. It will lift you from the spirit, from the physical realm to a high spiritual realm. When you have problems that push you to the wall, if you can pray in tongues, out of anger, you, your spirit will rise up to a place where when you now begin to speak, you are commanding those things to take place instantly. Instantly. You will see a reverse. But if you don't know that the gift of tongue is for you, you will not seek for it. But above all, I want to say that every one of us should know every minute we spend before God is commendable. But much more, I want all of us this year to become like that man, Jeremiah. Fulfill our God-given purpose so that God can be happy with us and God can easily bless us and we also can be a blessing to mankind. Shall we rise up together?